When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corio Flanagan. This podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. If you're listening, you're tuning in, and you're enjoying what you're hearing, please go ahead and subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend. Thank you very much. On with the show. If you have listened to previous episodes, which we certainly hope you have, or if you're not, you're going to go back and do, you might remember hearing the name of today's guest dropped by the wonderful Monique DeBose. Isaac and Torald Corin are brothers, singers, songwriters, performers, and two of the most inspiring people we have had on the show to date. They started out writing and performing as The Kin, where they toured with the likes of Pink and Coldplay, and have recently worked on a new project going by the name Francisco. Not easy to say. Beyond that, they have started the Songwriters Project, where they help songwriters from all over the place find their groove and their voice. They are so deeply passionate about what they do, and it shows in this extra-long episode. Besides talking extensively about their passion for all things music, the Aussie Brothers performed two songs for us live on the show. Please enjoy the Corn Brothers. This is called What Happens Now. It's come and swan, the edge is torn Colors gone, I must move on With courage now I call To rise above this wall Oh castles love, now they must fall No compass in my empty hand No footprints in the burning sand Trust this call Whether I rise or fall It's never let me down before What happens now I begin again What happens now What happens now Before the dawn 
good guys thank you thank you so how long have you guys been just singing and harmonizing like this ha well the story takes us back um when we first uh we both got into music separately actually and uh we found ourselves in new york there's this memory i have of us in the back seat of a car i think we may have been going on a trip with our dad (laughs) to the snow or something we were just so excited it's probably 6 a.m. and we'd just had, you know, some something on the highway to eat or something. And we were singing along it's in like harmony Bill to... Haley in the comments. No, 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 Prince. it was Prince. It was, Prince? It was okay. when Dove's crying. <laughs> oh, yeah. good memory there. It, it was something like... Dig, if you will, the picture. Dove's crying, yeah. We didn't sound... We didn't know how to sound <laughs> together, I don't think. I mean... So, at, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was, but I wanted to just take it back. So this is a new song you guys have done as the new, is it a duo, yeah. Fran Francisco? Fran Francisco, yeah. Ken Rockwood uh, from Rockwood Music Hall Records uh, wanted to do an album with us and wanted to kind of go on a, on a journey with us into an acoustic record. And so Fran Francisco, named by Tarold's four-year-old daughter, who, who couldn't quite say San Francisco, <laughs> Now I can't say San Francisco without no. having to correct myself. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, yeah, we have an album uh, coming next year. We've released a couple of songs. What Happens Now was the first yeah. original from that, uh, from that album, yeah. And yeah, where did really that sound, yeah, what did that kind of stem from? Well, the song itself stemmed from, you know, singing about, you know, being at a crossroads and, you know, looking out no matter what was happening and, you know, choosing to take uh, the high road, the high road being, you know, that you would live life to the fullest, regardless of the circumstance that you found yourself in. And, you know, when we come to a crossroads, we always have those, those two choices, you know, whether it's something really traumatic or something small, 
like a bad day. Yeah. You know, we, we always stand at the precipice of that choice. So there's crossroads everywhere. And, you know, Francis Cisco was born, um, well, yeah, out of a, requ a request from someone who was always a supporter of Isaac and I during the kin, you know, our original band. However, also the Francisco was born out of taking ourselves on the songwriter's journey, which we'll talk to you about. Um, we took ourselves on this program that we created for other people and finally took us each other together on it from, from inception to all the way through. And, and Francisco was born out of that um, year and a half long experience. And, and fed from a real personal need together um, of, you know, expressing the inexpressible, you know, yeah. the, the grief that came from losing, you know, uh, a life, a, a family member, you yeah. know, um, way too soon. And, uh, and so all of that kind of together kind of pressurized that this beautiful album and we got to fly into, um, um, this beautiful studio with, with Ken and, and Sonic our favorite Ranch Sonic in Ranch in Texas yeah. okay. with, uh, Nick Hard producer. We, we did our favorite Ken album with, um, in 2007 called rise and fall mm. and so he flew out and we we made this album in a week and it was really it was a precious precious yeah. time together wow you guys bolted that out in a week yeah we did we were doing six we were doing you know 12 to 16 hour days and and you know and it was we did about 16 songs um in six days and yeah. we just and what was so remarkable about it was you know, Sonic Ranch, the Neve room at Sonic Ranch is arguably one of the best rooms in the world at this okay. moment, I reckon, that's still, that's still functioning at a high level. And just what you have at your disposal, gear-wise, instrument-wise, yeah. is just, it's unbelievable. And yet, really, the whole Francisco record is one guitar and two voices. Mm -hmm. And so there we were sitting in this playground of like, you know, Snarky Puppy did their Grammy award-winning album there with Nick Hard, who produced them as well. Yeah. Um, and that's why we went there, because he knew the space. And yet we were just using one one instrument and two voices at almost every moment of the album. <laughs> so it was kind of a, a, ironic in a way. <laughs> did you guys find that that in itself, just that stripped-down version of who you are and who you've been, did you find that a new challenge? Hmm. Mm. I would say not a challenge, more a relief. A, um, it was, you know, when you really sing our, our Francisco songs, you know, when Brothers Corrin together sing into that empty canvas, a song like that, the subtleties and the complexities of the dynamic range, yeah. um, they're akin to what it feels like to, to, you know, bang out a big rock song, to be honest, because you're playing with something just as dynamic with yep. less ingredients and more subtlety. So in a way, what it takes of you is the same thing as, you know, um, you know, rocking out at some of the big songs we used to play, you know, um, with a lot of noise. It's a different kind of thing. Uh, but it was kind of relieving to just, you know, let, let all the frills um, just not need them, you know, just yeah. let it be what it is. Yeah, mm. I can see that happening. I, I'm, I, I want to kind of take it back here a little bit because Please. I there's an interesting story that I read and I think it was another interview and I don't know when the interview was, but I was trying to find just some information about you guys as I was putting together my outline. And I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about the first song that you all wrote together for your dad that it ended up being a little bit too long. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course. Well, we didn't know what, uh, you know, the first song we ever wrote from start to finish was a song um, that, that came as, as an idea to the, you know, or a solution to the question, what do we as, you know, his sons get our father for his second wedding? And, um, you know, and their divorce was a shattering experience for both of us in different ways. And, you know, we, we kind of didn't see it coming. And, um, and so as, as teenagers, you know, that was our traumatic moment in, in, um, in that way. And so coming together to kind of sing to our father was, you know, was, we didn't know how powerful it was for us, but it, it, we just thought, well, we don't know what to get him. And we didn't have the money to buy him anything special. So we, we said, let's write him a song. And we were kind of um, coming together. We were hiding from the rest of the family in the bathroom. And the sound of, you know, the, the bathroom space, the, the acoustics really lent itself for us to kind of hear the harmonies for the first time. And, and this was really, at, we had once before kind of had a jam and sung together. And this mm -hmm. was the first time we went, okay, let's officially do it. And so as we sung, you know, we were, you know, Isaac and I, when we first started singing together, it was more like, well, how can we not do this? You know, yeah. we got into music differently. Um, you know, I found music as a performing art, arts high school kid and kind of got into playing and singing kind of early. And Isaac found it a, a couple of years later. And maybe he'll tell you the story of how he found music. Well, we came from these different places with this, with this same, you know, different versions of passion for it. And when we opened our mouths and harmonized, we were just like, okay, what's that? Like, hmm. and we haven't been working on that. How, how is that there? Hmm. And you know, some people ask us that, like, how do you guys do that? And it's now 20 plus years of dueling, you know, both peacefully and also like, you know, uh, you know, roughing, roughhousing each other melodically and like <laughs> pushing up against each other and multiple experiences. So we, you know, experience you can never replace however to be honest it was kind of there yeah. you know and there's recordings that we're going to release next year part of the kin's 20 year anniversary that will show um some of that we sound super young um it you know we so this song came together and we went to the wedding and our dad you know of course said oh okay of course you know my two sons singing a song at the reception i mean not the reception you know why don't you do it right as we to, you know say uh, before we say our vows or something and there was tears <laughs> you, you can imagine there was like tears and everyone dolled up and we'll yeah. just sing you the okay, little yeah. bit ready and it's so it's so cheesy and ready? beautiful it's like i can't wait let's planted in the morning sun Snow. <laughs> why, why a blanket of snow? That's because what I there was, you know, I want to ask the seventeen-year-old in me, like, why the blanket of snow? I think you know? it was, just it was a chilly moment. <laughs> anyway, so people were crying, and then seven minutes in, we caught our dad looking at his. He watch. checked his watch. Uh, seven minutes in. <laughs> seven minutes in of that. We're almost you know, halfway. Like we're part. gonna get there. <laughs> we're about to repeat from the top. No, uh, yeah. we didn't really understand framework at that point, no. but. Um, more was more, I think, at that point in a song. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this kind of leads me into this question that I think is such an interesting term, and I kind of gave you guys a preface of this, but you talk about something in your current project, which we're going to get into, the songwriter's journey, called musical cosmology that each individual has. 
So you go back and you look at a song like that that you guys had, where you probably look back at it now and you're like, what the fuck were we doing? But also, (laughs) you see some good stuff in it too, and you see like that was kind of like where the path started. And Mm. so what is this, I guess starting with Isaac, what are your musical cosmologies? Mm. Yeah, well, it's it's an interesting um, thought because... Let me define musical cosmology. Musical cosmology, you know, is... uh, something a term that kind of came out of a study you know when i was 21 i was in college in northeastern and i was studying uh the the i did a paper on the being of music as such which is like a heideggerian existentialist way of looking at is there a you know is there a way of um is does music exist without us perceiving it yeah is are there a set of laws that exist outside of us? Mm. Will music die if humanity gets wiped out? Is there an intelligence, a beingness that we can experience, understand, tap into, and be reflected in, mm. right? So our being is then reflected in the being of music mm-hmm. or how we call the musical cosmology. And so, each individual is drastically unique is what we find. And, you know, you even have the fingerprint or, you know, the, the eardrum is shown to be even more, uh, you know, a better representation of your uniqueness than your fingerprint. So people's eardrum or the space in which they listen to the world around them, including music is unique. It's a unique shape. And so we have sufficient evidence to, you know, in the physical way, but also after, you know, studying our own music and over 150 different kind of musical journeys, what we've found is that no human beings kind of musical cosmology or way of listening to music Mm. is remotely the same. And another way to add, and then Isaac will share his musical cosmology, you know, if we applied the study of to two human beings we're on songwriters journeys with, then we would get deeply inside their listening, right? And so we go on these games with people that basically put them back into the music that's hit them where they lived since they're a kid till now. And we, we get them to rediscover and in, in front of us, show us why they're struck, not mm. by anything reasonable, mm. because music is that unknowable space. It's somewhere between physical mental emotional you know electromagnetic Mm, it's it's somatic it's a it's a mind body and beyond experience so we get to study human beings practically so so my musical cosmology you know i'd say started somewhere with um like john lennon's beautiful boy I remember that being played when I was young and okay. like, I was like, whoa, what is that? Right? Like I get that. Okay. And now when I look at my son, you know, it's almost like I hear that song sometimes or I sing it to him when he goes to bed. It's like, 
it's this I'm drawn to it. Um, and then kind of minor songs like Sweet Dreams, Eurythmics, or you know when Doves Cry by Prince, like these kind of you know requiem minor chords that speak to you know just something uh, you know like these big um themes you know yeah. life themes like betrayal and loss and grief but then this resolution of the human realizing that they're free you know yeah. and that they're, they're themselves they're not... like this like you you'll break it down into minor chords somebody's into like someone is like i would I think that if you tried to break mine down you'd find a lot of blue notes and you'd find that within the scale yeah. because i just i gravitate towards that type of music so that's the kind I of thing know. that it sounds like you guys are talking about is there a line of questioning that you guys kind of have for people that's like helps them get mm. there why don't we give yeah. just one simple prompt for people listening yeah you know what's one song you know from your childhood that when you put on today you just go, oh, yep, that one, you know, and, and notice that when something hits you where you live, it, it, it's an is, right? It's not mm -hmm. like, I really like that. It's not, it's not, it's not a grade. It's just a, yep. Right. Yeah. And so find one from your childhood that without question hits you in every part of your being, all your cells, and then find one from now and, and notice what does that tell you about um, the music that you are struck by that would be one way to touch the, your cosmology okay. would you answer that question yeah so i'm going through this and the song came into my head and i want to make sure i get the name right so give me one second tweeter and the monkey man Do you guys have any? Do you guys know that song at all? Uh, maybe not, not by, by name, name, but I'm sure. I'll mix it, it in. Was... I'll play like a little 20, 30 second split of it on this yeah. show because I try Please to do. play a little bit of something from everything. But it's, I'm pretty sure it had to be written by Dylan. It's this insane storytelling of a song, but it brings me to these long drives. My parents were um, split up from the time I was three to seven, and then they got back together. And when. Oh. Um, my mom and my brother and I would go drive to see my dad. It was a couple hours of driving. We'd listen, the Traveling Wilburys album was on. It was the late 80s, and this is what was going on. And we would, that song just sticks with me. I just have this vision of going down a freeway. It's dark outside. It's probably Friday night. We're going there for the weekend. And just like, I don't know why it is, but that just always rang true with me. And I just, that's what drove me into this songwriting style of, of just a, a love for that kind of music and that kind of um, those songs. Wow, fantastic! And and a love for the road and and traveling. Yeah, yeah. There, there's definitely something to that too. <laughs> yeah, you and notice right as, as you're recalling it. Notice as you're recalling it that like what is done to you. You know, mm. it's amazing. And and you know, this is a podcast. So you can't see your face right now, but you know, it it switched you on. You know, and I yeah. think that's what we really get to see where music lives. In as 
in us as embodied memory, as embodied little capsules, containers of messages, you know. Yeah. Like music gets to us, in us, more than we know how to get into ourselves. True. When you put on that song, Traveling Wilburys, it knows what it's doing in you. Yeah. Mm. And goes straight to where it needs to go, where it belongs. Mm. Like medicine. The door swings open. There's no lock that can lock it out. Yeah. Imagine being able to see someone in the street and go straight up to them and unlock yeah. their doors like one of the songs in your musical cosmology. Mm. Yeah. That, that's we really, don't have really that good power. point. And just to being able to like touch on those and, and how music can, it just, the soundtrack to our lives, you know, that kind of idea of it. Yeah, totally. And I'm, okay, so taking this idea of musical cosmology, yeah. let's apply it to your guys' own work. And mm. you're two individuals. You've, you've yeah. obviously, brothers share a lot of the same DNA, have lived a lot of your life together, work together, all this stuff, but still two unique eardrums, mm. all of that kind of stuff going on. Yeah. What is a song that you yeah. all have written that shows these attributes that you guys mm. have different, but have put together question. really nicely? Mm. Well, mm. it's really thoughtful and obviously, you know, um, you know, mature, a mature question, right? So it's an advanced question. I love that. And we've thought a lot about what this actually, um, because as, as two brothers that have, you know, created the music we have together across multiple projects, um, two brothers that have taken... 150 people so far, but really hundreds on these songwriters journeys so far in the last six years. When we approached Fran Francisco, you know, it wasn't named that when we first started, like any great creative project. Uh, we said, okay, this is going to be so fun because this will be the first time we're conscious of putting up both of our cosmologies and, and just touching the Venn diagram, if you will, right? The space between the spheres, you know, the space between both of us that where we share cosmology clearly and and maybe that's a great band you know it was like all these different influences coming together and and the venn diagram the space where people interconnected that made the amazing band i mean you know red hot chili peppers like not everyone's cup of tea but it's deeply in my teenage roots but like what an amalgamation of interesting elements that brought that together like like only that could and of course there's other many other bands that we could speak to but isaac and i came together i would say where it goes even beyond um reasonable cosmo cosmologic ingredients uh is when you just step into creative harm's way and you channel something channel meaning an idea comes to you that is it's just there and I would say our greatest cosmology to me to answer the question would be the, the handful of songs that Isaac and I just wrote that wrote through us in 15, 20 minutes, 10 minutes. And there's a small handful through the Kins career, yeah. our band, um, a song called Abraham, a song called Never Be the Same. Um, uh, particularly those two, I'll just say right now. Songs that we just that had to come out of both of us, and they have a certain kind of quality to them. And so, when we approached Francisco, we knew it would be an acoustic duo album because we wanted to make that kind of music. So, we already agreed on the creative vision. But when we put our cosmologies of what that might be together, um, it we just knew that the perfect slice between through the center um, was this kind of stripped back, dead harmony, modern take on you know 
early kin acoustic music and Simon and Garfunkel now. It was like almost we already we felt where it wanted to live, you know, yeah. and the kind of chords and keys we were feeling we agreed on. But it's not doesn't always happen, you know. I think a lot of people come together and it, they kind of work, and then they have a hit or two, and they realize they're actually not in alignment after that moment. Okay. Um, and so we see a lot of bands sort of split away that don't find that shared Venn diagram space. That's my take. And now some more sweet, sweet harmonies by the Corn Brothers. Maybe everything's changing. I guess you're Oh, Abraham. Okay. We'll sing, we'll sing a song, uh, one we've talked about during this time together, uh, that, that wrote itself through us. And Isaac once, once came to my uh, place in Astoria, Queens, and he said, I've, he was, you know, just finished watching this documentary on Abraham's tomb. And I went on to watch it too. And it was really just a look into how Isaac and Ishmael, you know, these two brothers of Abraham, you know, yeah. um, both, you know, gave birth to these different religious paths that were both fighting for thousands of years. And Still. there they were both honoring the same father. And as two brothers, we were just like, as hippie kids, you know, we were looking at, look at the, looking at these Christ, you know, biblical stories, you know, not Christ, but big, big stories, ancient stories. We just couldn't believe the, that, you know, that two people could fight for this long, but then, honor the same father so we this song wrote itself through us and it's a call to peace between two brothers uh and it's called abraham lovely there's a tale by sailors two sons and their father as they sail to old Palestine true were these brothers they sailed to bury their father they would fight for Jerusalem you will be meek when I am able That you'll be the salt upon the table When all is said and done Could you somehow be sons of Abraham? I was told by a stranger The young breath into the desert United the people with his hands in the way to the crescent. He fed the lions with a pheasant. He was straight to the spring of Zemzem. You'll be the salt upon the table When all is said and done Could you somehow be sons of Abraham? You will be meek when I'm able You'll be the salt upon the table When all is said and done Could you somehow be sons of Abraham? 
as a tale Told by soldiers A young boy seeking to slaughter He was saved by his father's hand He was pressed and protected And Prince was he When all is said and done, could you somehow be sons of Abraham? You will be meek when I'm able. You'll be the salt upon the table. When all is said and done, could you somehow be sons of Stay tuned for more Song Facts Podcast right after this. I think it takes a I think it takes a lot to go to that sort of introspection right I think a lot of people leave it on the surface and just write songs to write songs and it sounds like you yeah. guys are more than willing to dive into it and try and find it at a deeper level and you know doing it for that song for you know thinking about everything in this full 360 degree viewpoint of it so that you're it's like running a race and or playing you know a football match and leave it all on the field, not leaving with, with any regrets and being like, that's the best that we can do that song. Lyrically, mm-hmm. musically, the way we sung yeah. it, the way we performed it, that's it. Now we got to move on yeah. to the next one. Well, we needed a why. And mm. for a long time, we didn't have a why. Mm. And someone gave us a why. And that, I don't want to overlook that. Um, and then with that request from Ken, we sat down and asked the question, innocently oh what might it sound like what might that sound like if the two of us just made an album with one instrument or two you know piano or guitar that's it no bells no whistles no synth no strings no nothing just harmonies sparingly you know outside of the main main lines and we really didn't add many layers of harmonies in the end of the day Mm. we didn't know that we wouldn't and so when we had that why and then approached it with this, the three of us just reluctant to have any opinions about what it should sound like. We hated that word should because it kills curiosity. Yeah. Right. So if you have any considerations like, yeah, but the pop market sounds like this or yeah, what style of music is this? It has to be this. It has to be a country album or, you know, indie acoustic or whatever, you know, like whatever the considerations that you have from the world mm. um, aren't helping the, you know, aren't helping yeah. <laughs> for us. And so we sat back and said, okay, if we, since we have the why, now what does it sound like? We don't know. Okay, so let's commit to exploring what we don't know yeah. and just get curious. And so we listened with Ken to all of our kind of old 
catalogued songs that had been unreleased. And we allowed him to kind of reflect, you know, he was asking us. And then instead of us answering, we wanted to know how we, how, you know, since, since he had come in with the request, we wanted to know how, what resonated with him, yeah, how he would see, you know, us, we wanted to kind of see, see what his musical cosmology was because yeah. with that request, with that strength of a request, his musical cosmology needs to be involved too. And that's where a lot of artists might get annoyed at their A&R or their head of the label or whatever, when they come in and want to be involved, but perhaps they can see that this is bigger than them. This is a very complex, um, subject you've opened up well you're asking too. about musical but cosmology it's so it's a deep dive right? yeah, so i want to add, can I add yeah. something to that though because yeah, yeah. you've opened up a beautiful thing in this creative process mm -hmm. there's two things one reason also that it was so powerful with ken rockwood was that he requested us powerfully and we you know we believe in the power of request um and he said i want to sign you guys and we're like okay let's explore what that means so we had something to respond to but not only that but we trusted him as not only a music aficionado, I mean, we're talking about, you know, talk about someone you should have on your podcast. I mm. mean, he is truly, uh, he started rock or musical, arguably the most successful singer songwriter venue in New York since Chennai or something else that had occurred earlier. Yeah. It started for a number of years and it's three, all these venues. And he's been around, I mean, he has seen every single thing that could be played acoustically or in a band in live instrumentation i mean he's seen everything over the last decade or, or 15 years and mm -hmm. um, we trusted him but we also knew that he was the kind of and this goes into some of our other work that's forthcoming you know which is really a study in what are the creative types in the creative process mm -hmm. and we knew that he was a natural curator and so when you know you have a certain personality type that is all about holding a space and reflecting back what's coming toward them uh, we just didn't wanted to empower him because we knew if we empowered him, we'd be onto something great because you can see all the things he's curated around him in his life. Yeah. Um, so we just really trusted him. And that never worked for us. Mm. So, yeah, we yeah, so with his, him. with his, you know, eye and ears and ours, we, we selected down a small group of older songs so that we kind of had an idea. And then he basically said, okay, write seven more. You know, or we kind of did the math and we said, well, we probably want 14 songs to whittle down to 10 or 11. Yeah. So here we go. We're going to, we're going to write seven. And then we looked at each other and <laughs> well, we better schedule the time, you know, yeah. because we're both busy. And yeah. so, um, at this point, Tarot had a newborn, um, Jack with special needs, newborn. And, um, and so time was of the essence, mm. you know, and really we had probably half an hour to 45 minutes, three times a week where I would drive to his place after eight o'clock after bedtime for the kids. And we would sit in his room <clears throat> with, uh, in his music room with Jack, mm. um, this newborn who could only, you know, he only had the power of his voice. He didn't have any other motility um, or mobility. And he did use, you know, have breathing and, and his voice, he made sound. And mm. we believe, you know, it seemed that he could hear to some degree yeah. his own version of hearing. And so he, we, with this request of we, we have to write some songs, you know, we sat down and we showed up. We didn't have any concept of what they needed to sound like, but we just started making voice notes. Mm. 
and this is kind of comes down to what we really do. you know do with other people which is encourage people to dare to suck which means press record and without knowing uh, what you're about to do do something and then after two minutes or so press stop and name it yeah yeah and then come back to it later yeah so much of what we do is re-empower people to the fact that the magic that they are both creative and expressive is right there if they just get out of the way yeah and stop thinking of what's better stop comparing themselves stop competing with the others and themselves mm -hmm. the future selves <clears throat> uh learn to make a mess again um, get into the front of the creative process where it's creative and messy and it's not meant to be perfect um you know turn off social media and make or share messy things on social media and say work in progress you know basically counterpose what's happening in culture right now and what we notice is what naturally comes back to the surface is the best of the best creative processes that people have you know right in front of them if they just trust it again yeah you know it's really what we are doing when people come to work with us um, whether it's private you know all the way to making albums and eps and songs with us or going on these songwriters journeys uh in groups and our different vocal online programs that it's just all about helping someone get back to their the freedom and power that's just awaiting them mm. you know? and i think the greatest moral of this story is if you have a relationship where you have the the open door to make requests of somebody Someone looks up to you. Someone has asked you for advice around songwriting. Someone is a good friend of yours who you know really wants to make an album. Yep. Please make a request of them from your heart to do that thing they've always wanted to do. Like mm. Make a request and say, I'll hold you accountable to that. It doesn't have to be investing your money. It can be investing your time and your support and your energy to say, I, would this be something you want? If so, I request that you ask for what you need and, and go do it. Yeah. And it could be this simple. It could be like, hey, um, how about, you know, next Friday, like send me one idea, no matter how rough it is. Yeah. Um, send it to me by Friday with, yeah. an, with a name. How's yeah. that sound? Yeah. You in? Like it could be a text. Yeah. It's amazing what we can do for each other if we if we just show up and just to break it down into that sort of simplicity, it really can take the pressure off. And it's interesting because one of the things that we've kind of done here is backed into your guys, what I assume is one of your main projects right now, the songwriter's journey. Yeah. And so I want to want you to just kind of, I think people could probably somewhat infer based on what we've been talking about, what it is, but go ahead and tell us a little bit more about <laughs> precisely what it is. And then why did you choose to create something like this? Um, and I assume, and if I'm wrong on this, let me know, but I assume it probably came from somewhere of you guys are phenomenal songwriters. Why don't you write songs for other people? And then you guys were like, nah, I don't know if that's for us, but we'll do this. That's kind of, the, <laughs> that's what I've inferred you, from it. You just nailed it. You yeah, just nailed and, it. But, yes. it, but <laughs> it didn't happen until someone requested no. us to do it. Um, but the idea kind of was, was similar wrong. to that. And well, so I, I feel Tarot like, will tell it. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a long time coming. So, we, so just to give you the backstory, because, you, you know, this is a, a, song, a songwriting podcast, you know, a song of deeply interested in the backstory podcast. So I wanted to share the depth. When we were signed to Interscope, 
Um, and we were one of Jimmy Ivan's last signings through his incredible nephew, dear friend of ours, James Momili. And as soon as we got signed to Interscope, Isaac and I immediately had this gut feeling, oh my God, we should write for others. Like we should start that now. You know, so we went and met with Universal Publishing and the head of Universal at the time was like, um, yeah, you got time for that. You guys need to be an artist first. And then we'd go to the next person and be like, you got time for that. You should do that in some years to come. Um, and we were always like, ah, oh, why? Like we kept coming with this feeling like, no, we want to foster and nurture other people at the same time. Like, you know, um, and, and it just didn't happen straight away, but we knew it was there. So as we, you know, did our thing, we got to tour the world with Pink and Coldplay and, you know, our Interscope experience didn't pan out more than a couple releases. And we left that label and we're about to be signed on a new major label. Uh, and we're on a break from touring. And all of a sudden we got this gut feeling, oh, we need to relocate now to LA officially and start nurturing and, you know, writing and developing other other singers and so so we moved our whole families over here and we got here and after a couple months of doing the la experience and you know we Lock were yeah we stuff. were writing for people and insert you know we we're there that we had this amazing <laughs> rihanna experience where we we're in a camp of hers and um we had all this stuff going on and yet this one session we left and isaac and i looked at each other this one afternoon we we're both getting into our cars and one of us went this is not it, is it? And we're just like, no. Yeah. And we're like, and so it started this conversation the next morning. We both were like frustrated. We're like, this way forward isn't it. So what is it? Because we do want to write for the biggest voices in the world in the upcoming years, but we also are called to write for, for voices, period. And so we got into this conversation. We said, well, if it's not this, what is it? And in one hour, we were hopelessly lost driving to this session because we're so busy having this download of an idea and the idea it was simple it was what if we became someone's brothers and walked with them with their permission from inception and got to study them and be with them in a way that surfaced all of these foundational parts of them that aren't present in this modern day songwriting experience when you go meet someone for the first time this stuff doesn't come to the surface so what if we put together this journey that had all of these stages that we wish someone had um, done with us or the best of all the people that had ever helped us we put it what if we took everything we've discovered and be those kinds of brothers and so the idea was what if for five stages we got to know them and they got to know themselves right what if they got to know themselves in our creative reflective mirror and then for the last five stages what if we created song together from that vantage point and then, you know, help them share and celebrate that and plug it into the business or plug it into the world. And so we put together this, this idea in the car and went, this might be an idea. And like Isaac said, someone requested it. Two weeks later, yeah, a, a Ken fan wrote from Washington, D.C. She was 17, just finished high school. And she said, would you guys ever consider working with a, you know, an aspiring young songwriter, you know, new, to, new to everything? And we said, funny you should ask. <laughs> and as soon as we started doing one and, and she went on to win a, the John Legend songwriting competition at South by Southwest. And wow. um, as soon as we started one, you know, other songwriters in our, in our, uh, you know, in our ecology started going, well, I want, you know, can you work with me to, you know? And so once we started talking about what we were curious about in our process and what we're doing, then other people started. And now it's like Todd said, you know, one of our main uh, 
you know, time commitments. It's 150 journeys in and we do big groups. We, we've now even opened it up to like an online course called Your Big Voice, which doesn't write song and it uses, you know, the, the power of song and, and, and recognizing that you have a distinct musical cosmology and a story to tell and a, a whole body instrument to, to feel and to get to know and to explore and to understand and to sound out and to experience that too. And, and then to experience what it's like to be witnessed by the microphone and then to hear what it sounds like to even hear yourself. You know, a lot of people have a hard time hearing their own voice recorded. And there's actually some biological reasons for that, um, that often trigger some of these small voices that are trying to explain what that is. And so, Basically, the brain, when it's on the spot being seen and heard, there's a part of our kind of, uh, it's like, imagine there's, our memory works in a way that it's like, imagine there's a security camera on all the time. Except when we are in front of others on the spot performing. So true. What happens, what happens is that in a way that security camera goes off, the other way of explaining it is that we lost consciousness and we and we were in the moment. Yeah. Right. We weren't documenting. We certainly weren't self. We were. We weren't self-conscious. I.e., the security camera. We don't have the tape anymore. Mm-hmm. So what happens when we don't have the tape? When we're hearing it back, it sounds foreign. Mm-hmm. We don't recognize it because it's not in the memory banks. And that, I think when you say that, I think you're speaking about first time people, especially, or the first two years of, you know, I think a lot of, you know, really experienced artists get used to hearing themselves. So they form a relationship to that space, maybe Mm -hmm. you're talking about, but, you know, I think we've, all of us, whether or not you're a famous artist or someone who's scared to try music officially and put it out and record it for the first time, like we're all human beings. And that's the other thing that we've tapped, you know, with the songwriters journey program or our new online course reclaiming your big voice there's humans involved every time and you know we're complex beautiful creatures that have learned in our own ways to become inhibited from that power and connection that we have to these expressive creative instruments we've been given and you know so many of us want to use music as something to to see ourselves and share ourselves you know to sound out what it feels like to be us and music is that medium that container and anyone listening to this knows that and has direct experience of that. What we found in the first six months of the songwriter's journey is that there's voices from all walks of life at all phases of their life that, that have been told a lie about music through the music business, that music is for some and for the few, you know, music careers and all this sort of stuff got so folded up in something much greater, which is music is medicine for anyone that has it inside them that needs to access it and share it. And that sharing can be to your family, that sharing could be to your community, Facebook, et cetera. That sharing could be on a label to thousands of people. Mm. And that when music is in you, it needs to come out of you. And we've seen like the most tremendous things occur for someone who's had it bottled up inside them in some way or maybe they've spent you know a decade or more trying to get it right or perfect and then they've shelved it and not shared it and by the time they actually finally get into the heart of the songs that need to come forward and the vocals that need to come out of them and they get out of their own way and they share it successfully just to see the kind of health 
mm. that comes back to their life. I mean, literally, we mean vitality, yeah. you know, music as health, like expression and creativity as health. So it's just been honestly one of our favorite, you know, these last five or six years have been so rich, you know, so rich. I mean, what an amazing thing to be able to do and to, to give, to find a job, to find a career or something that you're passionate about that you can do on a regular basis that's giving that is the best i can't imagine something that would feel any better than that because nothing really feels better than that to take somebody who is just seems so lost the the term that keeps coming into my head as you guys are talking about it is like rock therapy and i'm just like <laughs> that's what you guys are like offering is somebody who's you don't have to be a a first-time artist you could be someone who's 20 years into their career and is just kind of lost a little bit and just needs to like find that path and i imagine that to me when i think of the musical cosmology we're never afraid i wouldn't say everybody but most children aren't afraid to just be creative use that imagination let it go as crazy as it can and as adults it slowly like comes in and you yeah. guys kind of help people like reopen that, refine that. And it's what an amazing thing to be able to give. I've got a question that's, I'm wondering you guys have, I got introduced to you through um, Monique DeBose. Uh, we interviewed her, had her on. She's phenomenal. It was amazing just to like hear her journey and listen to some of the music that she got um put out there but she just had nothing but the best thing to say about you guys and then so we were like my producer and i were like we got to try and get these guys on and so obviously thank you so much but thank you when i think about someone like monique and then i hear your guys typical style of music it got me thinking is there any limit to who you would feel comfortable saying that you could help for instance would you feel comfortable guiding someone wanting to write like a dive bar bluesy tune as well as oh, someone yeah. interested in just straight upbeat pop hits if we sent you uh all yeah. the music we've created in the last six years <laughs> and we mean a thousand songs and at least five or six hundred that have been you know released across multiple releases and perhaps none of them are the same genre not, not in, one in of a way them. i mean we would be the greatest you know our musical cosmology it's hard to kind of take it out so you, it'll be in there somewhere yeah. yep. deep behind every song, but we can't help that because that's mm. who, you know, we're, we're co-creators, right? With them <clears throat> as much, as much as we are allowed or given permission to by the artist, you know, they invite us to the, to in as close as they, they invite wish. us, you yeah. know, like Monique exactly. invited us all the way in. She was just like, come in, you know, and, that's and we were like, okay. at all. <laughs> no, she's just like, I'm raw. This is going to get messy and wild. Are you ready? You know, do you have your shoes on? You know, because we're going. And, um, and it was wild and it was amazing. And, but we're in there for sure. And yeah. uh, we were so in there that it actually made sense to have our drummer from the Kin play Shake a Leg, who's on the album. Okay. And, you know, Shake a Leg is still our greatest, you know, um, you know, long time uh, musician that we've gotten to play with from, a, you know, a rotating cast of musicians of, of the Kins history. But um, I yeah. think that, uh, you know, the question, answer the question, no, there's no limit. Yeah, there's no limit. Because we learn, we're studying music through that person. So yeah. it's not like they're coming to someone who's not willing to learn. Yeah. It's the opposite. We're actually committed to learning about them 
not just through the eyes of what's acceptable about them in the industry currently. Mm. <laughs> We're not actually, we don't go through that door. Yeah. We're curious about what they grew up listening to and why, and then what they listen to now mm. and, and why, and then, you know, their story mm. and, and we just kind of get into it's all like of it. unpacking. It's like readying for the greatest meal of all time and <laughs> them. Right. Yeah. And then like being the meal. And that, I think this is a great metaphor because as a songwriter and a singer and an artist, it's really hard to, to actually be the ingredients growing in the field, harvest yourself, cook the meal and then plate it and then stand back and go, How's that taste? Well, You're so I, involved in all of yeah. those parts. So you really do need. Can I add to the, the metaphor? It's a little strange, but I think at the end of the day, you're being cooked and eaten. <laughs> it's a very strange thing because it's like Sounds you great. have to kind of cook yourself because it's going to be, it can't be easy. No, I mean, yeah. perhaps there's times, and I admit, there's been times where songs have come like it's this gift Totally. wrapped and delivered yep. and it's easy and we go yay and often they're everyone's favorites okay yeah. but for all of the other times yeah. you know it's not easy and yeah. it's it, it causes sweat and tears and mm. work and small voices and which means growth you know yeah, like yeah. if you've got these writer's block people freak out about writer's block it's great because it means that you've got a breakthrough right around the corner yep Yep. You don't have anything to say. Perfect. Why don't you relax today? You know, yeah. like, do you have to go and prove yourself in this particular domain today? Why can't you see it as like, ah, okay, I'm hitting a wall. Great. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go for a walk and see if there's a breakthrough in me. Yeah. Yeah. And as you, you can see, like so much of us challenge, you know, just challenge common practices. We do. We challenge them back to what we feel like nature intended us to be. Like you said perfectly as like kids again. Yeah. yeah. That's the vibe that Probably. I get is you guys are somewhere that's, if somebody's sitting there getting frustrated about their songwriting or anything that's going on in that realm, you guys offer this, this safety net, this place of comfort. The, mm-hmm. it's the movie old school. You guys offer them the nest. Where they, <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can be here. This is fine. You can go completely fall on your face. And I encourage you to do that because it's sales 101, right? Every no is that much closer to a yes. So just keep on sure. going. It's, a, um, it's very just much an interesting thing. I love that you guys are doing it. I want to go into a couple of uh, fun questions that are Please. a couple of them I usually ask everybody. And then one of them I've got more specific to you guys that I just thought of. So okay. if you had to listen to one band or artist for the rest of your life solely, who would that be? Gosh. Uh, Who's got the biggest catalog? (laughs) That's usually the best way to go. Uh, Oh, man. man. (laughs) I can edit this. I'll make you guys sound like you were snappy. No, no, no. Please leave in the pregnant pausing. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go with Joni Mitchell. Lovely. I'm going to go with Brian Eno.
does that count though? He's, he's yeah. a producer, not just. Artist. No, he's can he yeah. can he hold the space yes. for everything he ever produced? Because that maybe I'll change my answer. Then. I haven't gone into that realm yet, but I think that that you should be able to do that. Well, I was just thinking nice. about his his actual albums, some of the stuff he's done with his brother. Um, okay, you know, music for airports. I could just imagine listening to that stuff hmm. forever. Yeah, you know, because it's non obtrusive and nice takes you know kind of is an open open book why Joni no regrets coyote we just come from such different sets of circumstance I'm up all night in the studios and you're up early on your ranch you'll be brushing out a broodmare's tail while the sun is ascending and I'll just be getting home with my real career there's no comfort uh probably my greatest hero in my childhood cosmology um just she embodies everything i mean not not only was she an absolute path blazer as a woman mm. um being that powerfully kind of herself in a very in, a, in an era where to be the front and center storyteller writer um ideas person i mean just listening to her and how she had what she had to do to to bring to the surface what she wanted repetitively mm. throughout her whole career is amazing mm. and just the storyteller she is and the voice that she has mm. um through the late 60s early 70s just yeah. what she said about being alive was just magic to me yeah so, um all right next one is what is one song that you wish you would have written <laughs> Uh, let it be. Let it be. Yeah, there will be answer. Let it be. 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 Whisper words of wisdom. Let it be. Suzanne, Pick Leonard Cohen. Suzanne takes you down to her place near the river. You can hear the boats go by. You can spend the night beside her. And you know that she's half crazy. But that's why you want to be there. And she feeds you tea and oranges that come all the way from China. And yeah, okay. Leonard Cohen and Beals. I mean, how 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 classic can we get? I think uh, that's fine. How can you go against those? Yeah, I know. There's many others, but I will go with that. Okay. Usually, it's the best thing to do is just take that first one that pops into your head. Well, happy um, birthday. And I also wanted to say, this is very uncharacteristic of me, but it's because of the words that I pick that be. Okay. Uh, which is rare for me because we are very much lead chord melody. It's because of the words phonetics for me too. first. Yeah. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Just lyrically. Okay. What's the first thing you would tell someone who feels like there is music inside of them, but just can't find a way to bring it out of themselves? 
brotherscorin at gmail.com. I'm joking. <laughs> gmail.com. Did you yeah. uh, Well, obviously, I would absolutely say um, reach out to us. And I mean that. It was just fun to say it that quick. Yeah. Um, and the best way to get in touch with us would be brotherscorin at gmail or brotherscorin.com. Corin being K-O-R-E-N.com forward slash connect. Yeah. And, you know, we, we meet with people and do these private sessions to explore what's possible all the time. And um, we're not always a fit for someone, but we always have a way of shining a light on what might be. And um, so I would say that first and foremost, because that's our mission to hear the world's song one voice at a time, mm. you know, and we're talking about all voices from all walks of life. I mean, the 72 year old woman that like was told, don't do it. And is finally like, screw that. Like I'm doing it now, yeah. you know, to the, to the dude that has been writing songs for 45 years, but he was too busy being a doctor or went and got a real job. And now he's like, wait a minute. Like I've always wanted to be uh, an, a recording artist and I've, and I, I'm about, I'm going to claim it now. So mm. no matter, or you're, like you said, you have three albums in, and you're not sure what's next. So I would say that, but to answer it broadly, um, make a mess, you know, create space. Uh, don't, kick it off to the long grass anymore create uh an hour on a friday create a little window and this doesn't suit every personality type but create little windows that are powerful little moments that are gifts back to this possibility in your life and in that time don't ask how do do so yeah. the beingness is happened because you scheduled it and you aimed for it so you're already being it and so in that space you've carved out do name so that you've claimed it and you give it value that it's so important to value yourself in every step of your own creative process. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. I would say, uh, I agree all that. And I would just say, lose the entire word belief, get rid of it. Okay. And go into doing an action. And then once you accumulate voice notes, like Tara saying of you may making a mess, don't suck then there's something you know is there. There's these ideas that are there. They're there, you know them, and get to know them. And then as you get to know them, instead of looking for what's wrong about them or what you don't like about them, go with this yes and approach, which is, mm -hmm. well, yeah, and, and then I could do this. Be fascinated right? with yourself. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. and, oh, and, and if you start going, no, don't believe any voice that says no. Yeah, we come across internally like or externally until you're in the final stages of song crafting and even recording. Like no is irrelevant until ultimately until you have to record it, because how do you know that the greatest new idea isn't going to happen just as they press record? And you're like, hang on one more second. I got to exactly. Yeah. Because that Ability. was your patience, right? Yeah. So if you can have patience with the process, not rush it, why are you in a rush? It's, it's a song. Don't yeah. be in a rush. Enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So little voice notes, looking for the yes and putting it together. Instead of your writing the song, let the song write you. Right. And what Isaac's saying voice notes, just to be really clear, like, you know, take out your phone and on any recording app that's on the iPhone, Android, or something else you download, um, get in the habit of capturing little moments and naming those moments. And in that, you're capturing stuff you, that may or may not be worth 
creating later, but you're naming it so you re you give it value in the moment and you can go back and reflect it another time. If you're not someone who's leads with that and you lead with words, sit down and write two paragraphs and name the idea. It's the same process, you know, like a painter, you know, you start a few strokes and now it's the beginning of something, you know. And if you need inspiration, listen to Chris Pierce, <laughs> A Slow Life. <laughs> a Slow Life. He's one of the greatest voices of our generation, if not the greatest. He's one of, I'm just a huge fan and a great friend. But if you want to get any inspiration or for the next person on this podcast, yeah. talk to Chris Pierce. You should have him on this podcast. He is, yeah, he is, um, yeah, he's number one. He's amazing. I love that. And I would, I would add, I did a, um, Right at the beginning of this whole quarantine and everything, I did a 14-episode podcast series for a, a, a travel blogger under the... Um, and it was all on mindfulness. And it was just 14 different categories of mindfulness. Fantastic. And what I learned talking to all these experts through that was just be kind to yourself. And that so many people just beat themselves up and there's no reason to. And I think that that's the rut that people can find in of working so hard for a month getting a song wrapping it up listening back to it and being like god i suck and it's like no you don't just be kind to yourself that was just a song maybe you think it sucks send it out see what people think and move on to the next song or keep Absolutely. tweaking it what yeah. I, I just think that that's the kind of thing that i don't know that's the kind of thing that it sounds like you guys can offer is just like that sort of <laughs> guidance of you're beating yourself up man just just yeah. cut it out and let's just go on to the next one so well said. Well awesome. Said. Sometimes it works for people, you know, like if, if beating yourself up works, great. You that's know? not the doorway we have. But that's, that's, down. that's not how, you know, You're not and sometimes we back. do have to be hard. You know, sometimes <laughs> you have to be hard on yourself sometimes, at times, yeah. you know, in the last moments, like if you, if you haven't written the lyrics and you're about to get into True. the studio, then there's this hard moment that you come up against, yeah. which is, it's called now. But it's not critical though. It's tough. No. It's tough parenting. You know, it's, it's tough. Like Isaac said to me before, you know, I'm going to go run this air and you've got 20 minutes. Why don't you write, write the lyrics write to that the, song? Yeah, and I came back line. and I'd finished because <laughs> the space had been carved out, you know, and it was tough parenting, you know, it's like, but there's a difference. And, you know, I would second what you just said, because we come across, you know, the biggest casualty that we come across are human beings that have dreamed hmm. of being voiced, right. And having this medium called song to hold them and instead of being fascinated and curious mm. and into themselves like they once were they they hung it up they left it to the wayside and they let these inhibitive small voices that haunt their mind and body that others told them or they told themselves that at different times when they got embarrassed or felt like something fell short that they they're living falling short of supporting themselves mm -hmm. to just simply create music while they're alive. Yeah. And whether they're 20, 40, 70, we're here for just a finite period of time. And that's not a cliche. That's real that we come into these instruments and our instruments are designed to feel what it feels like to be alive. And what's a greater medium than music and song when it calls you. And so, you know, that's, we agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, unfortunately we've been sold a big old, cultural lie that music is for the few and and once you created it needs to be successful and famous and you need otherwise, everyone to love it yeah. otherwise yeah. i won't do it at all and we did that to each other and it's up to people like us to write a new narrative the new narrative is music's for everyone singing True. is 
for everyone. Singing is a gift to everyone. And yeah. so whoever wants to create music, do it. Do it fully, make a mess doing it, and then have good collaborators around you to help you make it as best it can be. And unfortunately, a lot of the people closest to us um, pipe up when we do use our voice. Oh, stop singing. You don't sound good. You know, please don't sing. You know, these horrible things that we say to each other that actually we, we know not what we do, but it's wounding. You know, it's some of the greatest wounding can be simply um, disclaiming someone else's voice 100%. and silencing them with shame. Yeah. You know, because it's a extremely vulnerable place, just as vulnerable as you know our private parts or whatever. It is a private part. It yeah. is, it is who we are being mm. expressed in the moment, and so yeah. it's very vulnerable, very personal, very deeply private, and and easily shamed and yeah. shut down. Mm -hmm. And so we're just waking up. I love it. I just, I, you guys are amazing. I think you're so inspiring just to listen to and talk to. So you're, you're on the right path. You're doing what you should be doing. And I think that this doesn't just equate to music, right? This just, if somebody has a dream of any shape or form, you guys are just saying yeah. like, go make a mess of it and just chase totally. it. And I, I love that. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, Corey. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers, Corey. Talk about some serious harmonizing talent. My goodness. Thank you so much to the Corn Brothers, and thank you to you all for listening. And as always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. See you soon. Get your song back. Get your song back right here.